Welcome to another episode of In Conversation with Dambro Business. Um, today we're joined by Andy Russell, who is the CEO and uh, founder of Clip Retail. Thanks very much for coming in, Andy. You're welcome. Um, I wonder if we could start by asking you, obviously, a little bit about yourself, um, your business, and how sort of Clip Retail came into, into being. Yeah, so most of my career I spent in banking, finance, um, started working in for a construction company, uh, worked in hotels and leisure, so quite a varied background. But I think probably the last 25 to 30 years, primarily in financial services. Um, my last couple of jobs have actually been with uh, corporate entities that provide household goods to consumers, but primarily on finance. Um, and the reason that Clip Retail came into, into fruition, I suppose, at the end of the day, is that we recognise there's a lot of people in the UK that, can't afford just to buy product outright and therefore they need finance to be able to do that. So um, between myself and a couple of others, we actually set up Clip Retail, um, formed the company in December last year, but we actually started trading in September, October last year. And well, we're a few months in, so it's um, always an interesting challenge to say the least. How's it going? It's challenging. So as you would expect with any new business, um, we launched right when the UK goes into sort of difficulties in terms of affordability of consumers, you know, electricity price hikes, gas price hikes and all the rest of it. Um, so it wasn't probably the ideal time to start a business. No. Um, but we did because we were already on the journey anyway. Um, we've had some technical challenges, the same as any new startup would do. We've ditched systems, we've brought new ones in. Um, but I think the fortunate thing for me is I've got a great team around me, so it means that we've been able to overcome most of those. Um, and now we're in our first, I suppose, full trading financial year now, so it'll be an interesting time, to say the least. Excellent. Maybe get you back on in a year, year's time or so. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this podcast um, largely centres on people like yourself who've started their own business. Um, but obviously, looking at your background, you've also been a successful CEO, CFO of loads of different corporations. So are there any similarities between, you know, working for an existing corporate structure and then um, leading your own business and are there certain characteristics and attributes that you need to have for both? Do they differ too much? How have you kind of found that? Similarities, yes and no. I, th I think the first bit is that, as you quite rightly said, most of my background has been in corporate businesses, so large organizations with, you know, a couple hundred people plus. Yeah. Um, and the benefit of being able to do that is that you can turn to your own team to actually do stuff. With Clip, there's four of us. So it means that we're hands-on with everything, but it also means that a lot of our activities we've outsourced to third parties. Mm -hmm. um, and you find that when you do that, you don't have the same level of control over the speed at which people do stuff and um, how stuff is done. And I think that's been a huge learning experience for me and the rest of the team, because we're all of a very similar background. Um, but the good thing is because you're hands-on all the time, it means you can actually spot things that go wrong very quickly. You can spot things that go right and very well very quickly. And it means you can also jump on top of any customer issues or customer challenges or questions. And it means as a team that because there's only the four of us, we talk very regularly and it means we can just sort stuff out basically. Yeah. Um, and, and I think, that's the enjoyable part about it. It's also frustrating because it means that sometimes as a CEO, 
what you need to be able to do is step outside of the business for a while and look at the strategic mm -hmm. pieces. When you're involved sorting customer queries, talking to suppliers, trying to find a washing machine for somebody or whatever else it might be, it means you can't always step back and do that. Um, and I think I need to teach myself now or reteach myself to be able to step out, block my diary for a day or two and just say, right, I need some time to myself to think how we move forward strategically and work through that. Um, that was going to be one of my questions, actually, about how much time you devote to strategy and, and forward planning, even at such an early stage in the business. So you'd say that's that's pretty integral, is it? It absolutely integral. You know, we're a new business to the marketplace. We're an extremely busy marketplace with other retailers out there. So the key bit for us is actually trying to demonstrate what our point of difference is. So whilst we were building the website before we launched, because we're all online, you know, we don't have any retail stores at all. Uh, whilst we were building the website, um, it gave some opportunity then to actually sit back while the techie guys were doing what they were doing to actually sit back and think, right, okay, what do we need to do? How does this need to look and feel? Um, over the last few months, I don't think I've done enough for that, if I'm being brutally honest. Um, you know, my ops director and I caught up last week and, you know, we said we need to be able to actually step out of it yeah. more often than <laughs> not now to actually not reinvent ourselves, but continuing to evolve. Um, and that's something we're going to have to focus on this year as we move forward as a business. Yeah. Um, I miss it. Um, and, you know, because we're also, as I say, there's only the four of us, we're all spread across the four bits of the UK, you know, Yorkshire, North Wales, Midlands, um, South Wales. Um, it means that we don't get together often enough as a team as well to do the brainstorming, to do the team meetings. So that's something we need to actively look at this year um, in terms of making sure we get enough time to do that. Okay. So what we're now going to do is, is actually move our team meeting to different parts of the UK. That's a good idea. So the last one was in Cardiff. Um, we haven't decided the next one, probably in Yorkshire, actually. Barbados, maybe? Oh, if only. <laughs> See, that's the ideal thought of actually opening up a branch in Barbados <laughs> or, you know, a website over there you can go and visit. But no, Absolutely. Stick to the UK for now. In terms of being answerable to, as opposed to answering to shareholders or owners or whatever, how have you found that transition? It's been a welcome change, okay. if I'm honest, but also challenging at the same time so let me explain so the welcome change is that you you control your own destiny um to a degree you can do what you need to do when you need to do it without actually answering to somebody um the opposite to that is you don't have people to bounce stuff off so you've got your own team who are engrossed in it on a day-to-day -day basis um but you also need third parties that aren't necessarily ingrained in the business to be able to talk to to be able to, to bounce ideas off I suppose I'm fortunate that I've got a good network of people that I've got to know over the years that I can actually do that with. Um, but it is challenging sometimes because they've obviously got their own stuff that they need to do as well. And therefore, you know, just to make sure that you spend that time doing that. Yeah, I can imagine. As someone who's had plenty of experience in retail in the past in various guises, how important would you say it is to have that base knowledge of the sector that you're, you're starting a business in? I would not profess to be an expert in the retail sector at all. Okay. I, I mean, I've done it, believe me, I've done it over a number of years, but I don't think you ever stop learning anyway. And it's all about customer behavior. And 
as we all know, with you know what's happened over the last few years across the UK with lockdown, behaviours have changed. More people have now gone to shop online compared to actually what they do in you know the high street or whatever it is. And we've all seen a number of the the big retail well-known names that have fallen down by the wayside now because customer behaviour has changed. And I think the key bit for for any sector, retail included, is that you need to continually evolve. You need to continue to talk to customers and actually understand what they want. Um, you know, as an example, we, we're in a competition at the moment. Um, it's to give away a PlayStation, which is quite nice for somebody. Nice. Um, part of that is to raise brand awareness for us. But part of that is also, as an entry to the competition, they need to answer a, a few questions. And through the answers to those questions, it means that we can take that information away and look to evolve ourselves, evolve ourselves as a business as well at the same time. Um, and that's hugely important. Um, you know, sitting in the ivory tower, um, making decisions without actually talking to people who are buying product off of you mm. would just be daft. Yeah. Um, so we just need to make sure that we do a lot of listening. And I did that in a, in a previous role. We actually... Um, hired a hotel room or a meeting room um, and we actually brought customers in from our own business and from competing businesses and we got a third party company to actually ask them a load of questions to give us some insight and as a business then we were running tv adverts as an example and we thought that these adverts resonated with the customers when you actually heard the feedback it's like whoa right okay yeah we need to change that. We need to do something slightly different. That market and that, research. Yeah. Is, yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, actually physically talking to people is always the way to do that. Yeah, you know, no you might not like the answers, but do you know what? You get good things, you get bad things out of it, but you learn and evolve on the back of it. Yeah, absolutely. So going back then, why did you start your own business? Why did you, you go into it? And why specifically this business? I know you spoke a little bit about yeah. that. Yeah. This is the first time I've ever done a startup in my life, so quite late on in my career to be doing this. Um, as I say, I've worked in corporate organisations, really large ones, from you know banks like Barclays Bank, etc., through to you know medium-sized ones. And whilst as a CEO of those businesses, you, you do have some degree of control. Um, I've usually stepped into those businesses once they've been going for a number of years, and therefore any journey to try and improve them or move them forward is always slightly more challenging because you've got a lot more history to wade through. Um, and I think with Clip, we saw an opportunity in the marketplace. We saw an opportunity to do something different for consumers. And I saw an opportunity for me to do something I really wanted to do myself. And <clears throat> whilst I've loved most elements of the jobs and roles I've had previously, this gives me and the small team that we have such a huge opportunity to craft something special for all of us. And that just gets me up in the morning. You know, um, you know, when I'm walking the dogs at five o'clock in the morning, my head is continually thinking about stuff we could be doing, how we could be doing it. The downside to a small business, however, is that you really need to plan that very carefully because there's very few of you to actually do it. Yeah. And therefore, you have to be very clear on what your priorities are and how you want to drive it forward. But um, 
it's just a great feeling to be able to do it yourself. You said there <laughs> we, so is that, did you start it with your business partners and with the- So Nick and I, <clears throat> Nick who's my ops director and I started the journey. Um, we, bo we both worked for my previous organization. Uh, we started that journey, you know, 12, 18 months ago. Um, and then the rest of the, the other two individuals in the team, so Sean and Michelle, have joined on that journey all the way, you know, and, and have helped us craft it as well at the same time. Yeah. To be honest, it, this is one more of a team effort rather than I'm the CEO, therefore you will. It doesn't work like that. We all throw in ideas. We all, you know, see the good and the bad in everything. It's a collective. And it is a collective. So if you don't mind me asking, how did you fund the venture initially and like what major challenges have you faced early on? So... At the moment, we're all self-funded. Okay. Um, so we don't have any external funding whatsoever. Um, and we will, at a point in time, need to get external funding to help us grow the business. <clears throat> um, and the primary reason for doing that was that um, before we launched Clip, we went out and talked to various people. At the time, we had no website. All I had was a PowerPoint deck. And it's very difficult to actually sit in front of somebody saying, yeah, this is what we want to do and it's going to be great and this is what it's going to look like. And they can't physically see anything. So um, after two or three months of probably doing that and not getting very far, I thought, you know what? If we don't bite the bullet and start this off, then we're never going to do it. And because I've, myself and the rest of the team, have got so much faith that this is the right thing to do and so much commitment to want to make it work um it's still a risky thing to do you know from a personal perspective but reality is it means we can control more at the moment our own destiny as well um but it's fair to say that over the next few months we will need to to go out and get external funding because we want to spend more money on marketing etc etc and the reality is the pot of money is not infinite yeah. you know there comes a point where you have to say well Okay. So you, enough is enough. You mentioned marketing there, for instance. So I know you mentioned obviously the, the PlayStation competition and stuff like that. What other sales and promotional uh, strategies have you used early on to grow that client base from effectively nothing? I would have thought. Yeah. So as most people, most businesses do these days, social media, you know, usual Facebook, your Twitter, your Instagram, you know, a lot of that activity. Um, Google plays a you know, a huge part in it from a search engine perspective and advertising that as well, you know, and so we've put money into that. But then we've also done, we've had to trial and error a lot of things. So we've done display advertising with the Daily Mail online. We've done um, local advertising. We're just about to look into YouTube, TikTok, um, and it's continually evolving and it's actually... I suppose there's two things for us. When we started out, obviously nobody knew who we were because we were a new brand. And therefore, there's always that degree of, I suppose, apprehension from a customer perspective. Is this business real? Is it a scam? And the only way you can do it is just to, to build visibility of business at the end of the day and also get those five-star reviews from a trust pilot, from a FIFO yeah. or whoever it might be just to give people confidence that, that you are a kosher business and that you you know are focused on, on driving the right, out, right outcome for them. 
At the moment, we're not spending a huge amount on marketing. And the primary reason for that is we want to make sure that everything works as it should do. So for the first month when we launched, I think we spent about £300 on marketing, so absolutely nothing yeah. at all. And I'm glad we did it that way because six weeks into launching, we found that one of our systems wasn't doing as it should do. And therefore, that would have been an absolutely awful customer experience. Yeah. So we very quickly ditched it, put a new one in, and then started ramping up the spend. Um, and we'll continue to evolve. We'll continue to look at new ways of marketing. We'll probably go into TV advertising at some point in time. That is expensive, however, um, particularly when you're competing against some of the larger household Established known brand and names. Um, uh, so, and, and the other key thing as well is that none of us in, in the team are marketing experts and therefore we rely very heavily on third parties who are experts in the field and also from feedback, as I said before, from consumers as well at the same time. So what's the, what's the vision for that evolution? Where, what's the ultimate aim, would you say? I know it's quite a big question. <sighs> the ultimate aim. Um, out from, our, from, a, from a clip vision perspective, what we want to be is the most well-known and largest online retailer for providing household goods to customers on credit. So, Andy, looking back um, at your career, you've obviously had some periods where you've had to, I'm, I'm sure, navigate some difficult terrain, shall we say, um, particularly running a retail business during a pandemic. So I wonder, as a leader, how you have handled it and how you do handle it now whenever things perhaps don't go according to plan. It's an interesting one. I think I tend to um, base my behaviour on what, what I ask of others depending on that situation, because things go wrong all the time, inevitably. Nothing runs smoothly, and therefore, depending on what it is, it, it, it adjusts my the way I deal with it. So, as an example, um, the last business I worked for, uh, we were funded externally by a fairly large organisation who made the decision in mid-2021 that they weren't prepared to fund the business anymore and we had to close it down. Wow. And when you've spent two or three years effectively um, bringing around cultural change in an organisation and um, you know driving positive results on the back of that, to be then told by the owners, right, you need to give a message out to the team now that we're stopping sales, that we are effectively winding down the business over the next 18 months. And therefore my reaction then was more emotional um, particularly when I was delivering that message to the rest of the business and um, and I think the key thing for me as part of that one was because we'd done so much work on the culture of the organization and we'd had listening groups and, and all that great stuff it meant that although delivering the message was very difficult managing the storm that came after that as we went through the closure people losing jobs etc etc it was never going to be easy but reality was it was certainly easier um, to be able to do that um, and i think the key thing for me in that organization we were what 240 people wow we were all uh quite close so i knew 
all of the all of the people that worked in that business, and therefore I had a, a quasi personal relationship with them, which meant I could talk to them, um, and therefore, you know, people's reactions were also very different at that time. Some were very emotional about it, some were very angry about it, and therefore I had to adapt my behaviour in terms of how I dealt with that on a day-to-day -day basis very differently. Um, if you're then talking about, you know, a project doesn't deliver on time or doesn't deliver on cost or whatever, then I personally tend to go into fix-it mode, which I probably shouldn't do. I should probably leave it to the team who are far more capable than I am, but I, I want to start getting involved with them to understand what we need to do to change, what we need to you know, do better next time to make sure it's delivered on time or in budget. Inevitably, I think in my whole career, there is very few projects I've worked with that either do deliver on time or to budget, um, or both or neither. Um, so it, I think it's circumstantial in terms of how, how I behave and how I actually um, alter change. I think the key thing about my personality is is what I prefer to do is rather than being dictatorial about what needs doing I'm very much more of a team player and therefore get input from lots of people so I can go away and make a an informed decision about it rather than just jumping straight in and saying do this do this do this that is not my style of, of management at okay. all so looking at that that particular set of circumstances which must have been pretty challenging a did it come as a shock and b did it have much or it must have done had, had a, a sizable impact on you personally? Yeah. So, um, yes, it was a shock. Um, we had looked to try and sell the business to an alternative um, body, let's call it. Um, and that, that process, unfortunately, fell through right at the very last minute. So, you know, uh, so, so we, you know, the decision was made. It was a huge shock for me personally. Um, and I... I think I took it quite badly to start with because I knew how much effort had gone into the, the positive change we'd done in that organisation over a period of time. Um, I think, and, and the worst bit for me was actually, and unfortunately because of when it was, I had to tell the team on a Teams call. And as we all know, teams is is never a great way to um to share bad news and when you're sitting in front of a computer screen and you've got let's say 16 faces in small boxes around you and you're trying to deliver a, a you know very difficult message and as we all do as humans we're trying to look for people's reactions so we can actually when you see the sea of faces like that with 16 people on you can't do that very easily um I got emotional about it, um, as, as did the rest of the team. Um, but I think then, once you get over that first set of emotional reactions, you then move into, right, okay, the stuff that we have to do now, yeah. there's things that, that we have to do, um, and, and therefore you move into planning mode, right, okay, these are the things we have to do, these are the people we have to inform, we have to tell all of our suppliers, we have to, you know, all of that stuff. Um, but even through that sort of, you know, like six weeks after we made that announcement, you know, a large swathe of, of my colleagues left the business. And um, that was hugely emotional. Yeah. 
I'm hugely proud and, and pleased to see that every single one of those has gone on to a bigger and better job. And um, I've kept in touch with most of them, as many as you can do anyway, out of that many people. Um, and, and I'm friends with a number. And, you know, two of my colleagues within Clip, I worked with in my last role, you know. I think that says a lot about yourself as well. And do you, did you learn anything in particular about yourself that you didn't know before? In, you know, people are judged in adversity, aren't they, in, in tough circumstances? I think the main learnings for me were more from a personal perspective. So whilst I was there, the head of the organisation, um, there was elements of it I need to take care of my mental health because it had huge impact on me. Um, my last role, as I have with a number of roles, I was living away from home five days a week, back home at the weekend. Not easy. Now, with lockdown, obviously, I'd moved back home at that point in time, but was still spending some time away. But the key bit for me was I was I was I felt I was internalizing a lot of the emotion, a lot of the, the challenges and frustrations that were taking place at that point in time. And I needed to find a release for that. And therefore, you know, the key bit for me is that balance between, okay, I need to be doing a, a lot of actions and, and planning and all the rest of it, but I need to take time out for me to make sure that my mental health is actually as good as it can be. Because if it isn't I can't support other people as well at the same time. Yeah. And it's also finding those people who can support you in that period of time because you need to be able to talk to somebody. I couldn't go and talk to, you know, the guys that worked for me, as it were, in the organisation because they were going through their own challenge at the time. I need to talk to somebody externally and, and that's that's where you find the release. I remember reading an article you wrote on LinkedIn about... Um about that that subject and it's it's commendable to be to be so open about that do you think there's enough focus on the mental health of people at the top of organizations um and further to that how do you kind of manage your stress and anxiety because it you know it must it yeah must... yeah um i think there's certainly more focus now than there has been you know if, if i go back because I'm significantly older than you, back to sort of my younger years, the usual message of just get on with it, you know. I think there's a danger to a certain degree that some of the mental health narrative has gone perhaps a step too far and everybody cries wolf to say I've got mental health issues. Yep. That's not to say that people don't have challenges in life. But I think it has to be, um, you also have to recognise it yourself. And I think... You know, I, I'm, I was lucky at the time also to be part of a group called Vistage, um, where there is a huge, great support mechanism within, you know, that group of people. And I was also fortunate to have a non-exec director in my previous role that I could pick up the phone and talk to. Um, and I've got a very caring family. And, and therefore, it means that I, you know, could have that open conversation with my wife no matter how difficult it was to say, I'm struggling at the moment, yeah. you know, I need some support. Um, but I think there's certainly a lot more focus and a lot more available avenues now for people to actually get that support and, and you know, help yourself. And starting a new business with three, four people who are all spread about across the country, as you've said, you, you mentioned about um, listening courses and things that you'd introduced in, your, in, the, in the last firm that you worked for. So how do you kind of... I don't know if manage is the right word, but manage the um, mental health and of, of the employees and the people that, that work for you now. How, how do you get involved in that much? Or 
It's a difficult one, if I'm honest. So I, I suppose in one sense, we've been trading, as it were, since September last year. So we're a, a fairly new team. But as I said before, I've worked with each one of the team in other, in other businesses. And I think when you're virtual, it's very difficult to do that. We are very open and honest with our conversations with each other, which is very good. So, you know, and we're not afraid to say we're having a bad day today, um, you know, or I need support with this, or is it okay if I disappear for an hour to do X, Y, Z? Quite honestly, for me, if somebody needs to disappear for three or four hours, I don't mind, I don't care, because I know damn well that group of people are so committed to that business that they'll do what they need to do anyway. Mm. Um, but it's certainly not an easy thing to be able to support people um, when you're working so remotely. So one of the things, again, that I was discussing with, with Nick, the Ops Director, last week is that I now need to be out on the road more, seeing those individuals on a more regular basis. That face-to-face -face time. That face-to-face -face time, because, as I said before, Teams is great, it, you know, it came to its forge during lockdown, um, but it's certainly not the way to move forward to, to continue to build personal relationships with people you work with and also provide them with the support that they need when they need it as well. So similarly then, how do you, how do you motivate your team? How, how have you found that, you know, doing that digitally? Difficult. Yeah. To be fair, and again, I'm extremely lucky with the guys I've got, they're self-motivated. They, um, you know, with messaging over the weekend, I'm not saying, I'm, I'm, believe me, I'm not advocating that people work seven days a week, 24 seven, but there's jokes getting sent around over the weekend. There's, you know, there's, you know, quit, there's, there's, you know, customer comments, there's all of that stuff sent around at the weekend uh, or during the week or, you know, wherever it might be. But it's, it, I suppose I'm, slightly more relaxed about the motivation side because as I said, they are so self-motivated as a team anyway. Um, undoubtedly, as we grow as a business, um, we will have to concentrate a lot more on that. And therefore, I think the practices that I've, I've been fortunate enough to learn over the past few years, I can actually start bringing into the fore with, and I've never worked in such a small team. So, uh, so it's learning for me as well as I go along. Um, I think that shows, though, with the, with the messaging. So it shows people want to do it rather than have to do it, which is if they care about the people within the organisation and the organisation itself, that's, that kind of answers that question itself, really, doesn't it? So it, on that point, with, with company culture, how, how important is that to you moving forward if you want to grow and expand? Huge. And how will you sort of drive that? Then? Huge. Culture, to me, is, um, is everything. And as I said before in my previous role, we spent a lot of time on the cultural aspects of the business. And that isn't just, you know, making sure that people can repeat the values, making sure that people can repeat the vision of the business and, and get tested on it. That's not culture. That's just somebody being able to learn how to do it or say it. It's how they act and behave on a day-to-day -day basis. And actually, um, the way people act and behave, and I'll, I'll just use an example. So, um, and I remember having this conversation. So I had a non-exec director in my last business who, um, you know, he came on board and he had some preconceived ideas about the business, about its culture, about its thoughts and its beliefs and all the rest of it. And he came into the business, um, visited two or three of our offices, 
And what he saw was absolutely the opposite to what he perceived um, with people who were very customer focused that went the extra mile to make sure that if a customer had a problem, they dealt with it, um, went the extra mile to support their colleagues, etc. Was it 100% right? No, never is. is never is. Were people prepared to learn and move along that journey? Yes, they were. Um, and it'll be the same, exactly the same with Clip as well. You know, we already have a set of values. We have a, a vision. We have, you know, a mission statement, all, all that great stuff. But the key bit for me from a cultural perspective is that we continue to talk to each other as a business, that we continue to drive the right behaviours that ultimately give the customer the best service we possibly can. Okay. What is that mission statement? I'm not going through all of that. <laughs> I mean, I, relay, I relayed what our vision was before, um, you know, and, and the, as an example, the values for the business, you know, we work together is one of the values. And with being such a small team, we have to work together. Um, and for me, it, it, again, it's not around the words, it's actually how we behave. All the words should be doing at the end of the day is just wrapping that up, yeah. just to explain to third parties or whatever it might be. Actions you know. speak louder than words. Absolutely, absolutely. So in all of your words, in all of your years working in commercial organisations, what would you say is the biggest thing that you've learned about people? Everyone's different. Don't try and assume you know somebody because you've got perceptions about them already until you can actually have a conversation with them, until you can actually understand them. Because, you know... I sit here today, people don't know everything that's going on in my personal life. I don't know what's going on in their personal life. So therefore, somebody comes to work, I don't know, in a bad mood in the morning. You don't know what's happened the night before. You don't know what's happened the weekend before. And therefore, don't prejudge. Um, that can be very difficult sometimes because as humans, we do tend to have that natural instinct to want to prejudge or to have preconceived ideas about what's going on. Um, but the key thing is to talk to people, understand it. When you can understand it, you can then move forward with them. So so for me, it's take everyone at face value. Great. And in terms of obviously the business is, as you've mentioned, still in its infancy, but what's the what's been the best thing about running your own business compared to working for people previously? So I'd say two or three things. Autonomy. Um, and I, I suppose it's partly to do with the business and partly to do with being working from home for me because I'm incredibly lucky where I live because I live on the North Wales coast. We have woodland behind us and it means if I'm having a bad day, I can walk out my office, take the dogs, go for a walk and, and just chill out. Where if you are working for a corporate entity, and, and again, this is, this is me putting pressures on myself as opposed to it being reality. It's actually, well, I can't do that because people will see me doing that and it's like, oh, no, it's a bad thing to do. Yeah. If any of the team want to do that, they can do. And yeah. it's interesting to hear you say that because I think a lot of people would, would share that. They think, you know, you think you're being watched. You think you've got to, but if, if, if that culture set at the top, it, it falls down. It's natural to fall downwards, isn't it? If somebody came to you to ask and they were, they were going to start their own business and they wanted a bit of advice as to, whether they should do it, why they should do it, 
if you've got one piece of advice to give to, to a potential entrepreneur, what would, uh, what would that be? The one piece of advice is follow your dream. If you've come up with that business idea that you have a huge amount of faith in, then follow that idea with tenacity and, and just do it. No matter what other people say, just go for it. That's brilliant. And one final question, which is one that we ask all of our guests, is how you define success. And that can be both from a personal perspective and in terms of your business. Um, success for me with Clip is that we can offer solutions to customers that don't have solutions elsewhere uh, in times of need. Um, and that, that that we as a business actually provide 100% service to those customers. For me personally, success will be the first time a TV advert goes out and I see the brand there. Um, and and it's, this is not talking about commercial success because we need that anyway, that's a given. We have to have that to continue. But once I can see that and people recognize that name, whoa. Fantastic. Well, I look forward to seeing it. Thanks very much for coming in, Thank Andy. Thank you. And uh, we'll see you next time.